Oh, so that's the advantage of the uh, the YouTube is that it's the unedited. Is that it? You get all of it. All the bonus coverage. Okay, I like that. So like when we get up to get another beer. Or... Okay, all right. right. Yeah, I, I'm starting to get it. All right. Well, you are the most uh, social media illiterate millennial we know. So <laughs> that is true. That is true. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. They're totally going to know I'm reading it now because I'm on video. <laughs> Absolutely, they will. <laughs> yes, yes, they will. Uh, happy nope. New Year, listeners. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy nice New to be Year. Back. Happy New Year. First episode of the new season. We don't really have seasons, but maybe we should. Well, let's call it the new season. Yeah, well, I like that. The new season where The Economist has uh, taken on the chore of putting us on YouTube so you can see our beautiful faces. Now, we're assuming that that's actually going to work. We, yeah. we, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> this may be edited right out of the audio recording. There you go. But but that was the, what did I call it on the Twitter machine? The exciting new feature. Yeah. And yeah, I had to go like, oh, what is our new feature? <laughs> yeah, I was a little concerned as well. <laughs> we had talked about it, though. Yes, it, so it, it had to be brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the criticisms from 2020 is that we spend way too much time before we actually get talking about anything important. So let's start with the most important part of the beer. I get that right. out of the way. Uh, yeah. Well, I would like to thank Danny for this uh, delicious backcountry Ridge Runner Pilsner that I've got today. I'll read you guys a little bl- uh, blurb here. It is stiff boots slam hard onto the steep edge of the range. Maybe you're high above Squamish. Maybe you don't look down. Dawn, the sun flares huge at your back marmots links on the dark rock spearhead tantalus the ridge flakes off left it's okay to sweat cover hard ground we've got you covered never hit the back country alone so danny bought you that beer and you kind of were rubbing it in on the yes. show a few episodes yeah. in a row of course i was so kevin stepped up and bought us around mm. the uh, money mechanic and i and yes thanks kevin thank, thank you kevin i got myself a guinness Oh, Guinness. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. Well, it as, can make some noise. And the best part is after with the widget in there. Yeah. You got to get poured out quickly though. Um, so as you listeners know, if you're an avid listener of the garage, that the beer tube started making its rounds in 2020 and it will continue again now that, well, hopefully Canada Post has got their stuff sorted out and actually can send stuff on time anymore. But my mailman might be wising up to the uh, heavy liquid packages that show up at my door. But I have a beer from our good friend in Ottawa, Blair. Thank you very much for sending me some pink fuzz, boys. I have Ooh, pink, pink fuzz. fuzz. Yeah, this one is, what is a, it's a grapefruit wheat. And it says, but don't call it fruity. Subtle citrus bite in a delicious pale American wheat ale is enhanced by a slightly sweet finish. This ain't no dessert drink. It's seriously tasty beer. So let's give it a shot. Nice. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers. cheers. Happy che- New Year. Cheers, Happy listeners. Year. Hopefully some of the listeners join in with a beer at home when they're listening to this, eh? I hope they do. Hope so. Yeah. Did you guys see my other fun new item for 2020? For Christmas, I got a tall can Yeti. No oh, I've got one of those too. I should be putting this in there, but I want to see yeah. the color. I'm pouring into glass. Uh, fair enough. Pouring into glass. Hey, fair you know enough. what we need this year is FI Garage beer glasses. Oh, oh wow! We should be making that for, for sure. the yeah. for the swag shop. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely, definitely. All right. Uh, while we're while we're thanking before we move on, I want to thank uh, Family Money Saver from Twitter for this awesome photo. 
Right. That's you as Kelso taking all your money to the Canada Revenue Agency, right? Wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to get that. I want it on a shirt. I think that will also have to be in the swag shop, won't it? Mm -hmm. This is pretty good. It's definitely not what I was kind of expecting when I read Grapefruit Wheat. But uh, yeah, no, that's quite pleasant. It's pretty hazy too. Oh, yeah, that is very hazy. Mine is exactly as I expected when I opened. I mean, Guinness is always delicious. We did the Guinness episode already. And I think I said like it was 300 years old, but it wasn't. It's supposed to be 1759 or something. Yeah. There should have been a correction. Okay. (laughs) So here we are. It is the beginning of a new year. Uh, We all managed to get through 2020 in our own ways, the challenges they were. (laughs) So I think we're going to tackle today's discussion from kind of two points of view. We talked about going back to basics because hopefully there's lots of new people on the journey to financial independence. And there's always room to sort of visit, revisit some of the the beginning, the basics from what we remember and and from all the other great content that's out there available. But I also think it's a good time of year for those of us that have been, you know, hopefully working towards things and optimizing to maybe do a little assessment of your progress, where you're at. Maybe it's rebalancing. Maybe it's looking at what you're putting in your TFSA. You got a couple months to figure out your RSPs for the year. So it's a bit of a time for, I think, reflection and assessment and to yep. move forward. So we'll kind of weave those together into our sort of usual discussion. Free, free ball <laughs> yeah. discussion. Yeah, there we go. Did you say stumble? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, it's, I, I call it more improvisation. This is a improvisation podcast as much as anything. Hey, we're just here having a beer. Yeah, yeah exactly. We we're just here to talk about the stuff anyway. Um, so, well, starting off then, I'll jump right in with, um, I've really struggled to decide what to use to direct my TFSA to this year. Now, many of our listeners may be just doing, you know, monthly savings towards the TFSA and that's easy because then it's just done all year long. Uh, if you've been busting your butt and getting your finances in order for a couple of years, maybe you're able to save up in an EQ account and have that lump sum to drop on January 1st, which is the case. If it is the case, that's awesome. Is that what you do? I do. Yeah. I mean, it took a long time to get from the monthly savings to like upping it to like the monthly savings plus being ready for the the six it took it took a while to get there it's not you can it's not like first years go oh boom i can fill my tfsa and then have next year's ready on january 1st right unless you were really smart and you were 17 and you saved up six grand and then you turned 18 and you lumped it right from the start that's then you'd be way ahead of the game this is true yeah so i have a question yeah why why'd you go with eq instead of putting it into an investment account and investing it because there's got to be some downtime in EQ, right? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, because I could just stick it in non-registered and then transfer in kind to the TFSA. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really fair point, actually. I hadn't really even thought about that. I think just because we have two EQ accounts that they just, the money just goes into there and to transfer it into sort of a savings. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There's some opportunity cost to not putting it in the market or... You know, maybe it's safer to be in the EQ. I, I don't know. That's that's a great question, though. And yeah. do you save it up over the whole year or just like the last two months? You know, it's a little bit of both. Again, like I've talked about before, I'm really lucky to be a contractor incorporated myself. So I manipulate my pay during the year a little bit. So in, you know, in sort of November, December, I can look at what my year end is going to look like and go, okay, maybe I pay myself a little bit more this month. It'll get me the, to the finish line for the TFSA, right? So it's it's right. totally different than people that are straight T4 income. I can, I can play a little bit with that and then it'll work out. And I do that to uh, work on my tax 
um, rate as well. And this is another part of the discussion we should have today is, you know, this is a great time to have a look at what, you know, maybe you are T4 and you can't change your tax rate, but if you have flexibility. Hey, you can change your tax rate if you're T4. Yeah, no, tax yeah. rate by making RRSP contributions. And that's my point about this. This is a great time for a little bit of assessment. And, you know, if you're at the beginning of your FI journey, this is like one of the basics is know where you're at, know where you stand, right? You need to have a place that you're starting from to get on your journey to FI and everybody's starts going to look different. But I think we need to look at similar things, right? Is kind of know your tax bracket and it's not hard. Just look it up. There's your provincial tax rate and there's a federal tax rate and they give you nice little sections. You're like, okay, if you're over 48, if you're over 96, if you're, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what do you guys think are those beginning steps, even if you're either at the beginning of the journey or the beginning of a new year? To me, it's looking at available RSP room, my tax bracket, how can I you know, optimize the best there. Know my spending, right? Like we talked about that. You brought it up account before we started recording. Yeah. I mean, I think if we're really talking back to basics, I mean, the whole key to building wealth is to spend less than you earn and invest the difference. So you've got three levers. You can increase what you earn, you can reduce what you spend, and you can do better with your investments. And it, I, I think that's the kind of those are your basic starting blocks. And for a lot of us, we've figured out the spending side of things. We're at a comfortable level of spending. Maybe we are or aren't comfortable with what our earnings at. And I think, like you said, figuring out the tax side of things can really actually affect your investment returns. Mm -hmm. You know, you said, you know, we're comfortable with what we're spending, but that's probably because that's everybody's first step, right? Yes, it, that should be the first step. It, yeah, it seems like the easiest and uh, you don't have to make big changes to change your spending. No. Really. No, but that's I think that's the first place to start. And and I think it fits in with an annual kind of review as well. And I know there's some other bloggers I've followed went through um, Tanya over at Tea on Fire there. She did a pretty good analysis of her 2020 spending. And it's it's interesting. And I'm bad for that. I'll admit that I'm bad for it. I have a pretty good ballpark idea of where everything got spent, but that's because I'm really active looking at all my accounts, right? Because yeah. I kind of I nerd out on that. So, but I think for other people having, you know, whether it's YNAB, which none of us have used, I don't think, maybe we need to do a YNAB yeah. test run, but maybe <laughs> people love it. YNAB's awesome because it gives your money jobs from what I understand, but it also helps you track everything, right? And if you know, one of the great, the best books you can read at the beginning of your FI journey is Your Money or Your Life. And one of the exercises that Vicki Robin goes through in that book, or her and Joe, I should say, co-author, um, is getting that spending down on paper or into a spreadsheet or into an app so that you can look and know where you are. Right. I, I think that's a good point. And I think if you've been at it for a while, a lot of us become a little complacent. So the start of the year is a great time to look back and say, well, I set these budgets and I thought I was following all of this. I should probably go through it and make sure that what I actually think I am spending is accurate. Totally. Yeah. And there's, because there's also things that at first you're going to put it off as a one-off type of expense. But if that type of thing keeps happening every year, well, it's not a one-off. It's just a once a year expense, not a once in a blue moon expense. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, totally. That's the exact great point I was going to bring up because, you know, maybe you had higher home repair costs or maybe you had vehicle repair costs or like these unexpecteds that throw a little bit of a wrench into your, okay, your FI plan is that you only need to live off, you know, 40 grand a year. So you just got to get that cool million invested and you're set to go. And then you're like, yeah, well, last year was 45 because we had to do some work on the furnace or, you know, new transmission or whatever. So it's like, okay, maybe I got to build a little bit of buffer room, you know, give yourself like nothing shouldn't be finite. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I think it was our episode with Peter, wasn't it, uh, accountant? It was about the, the risk of fire. And it's like, yeah, you should retire again every year. And this is, I think, what we're trying to get at is you should plan your FI journey again every year, right? Yeah. Like, re- reassess and take a look. Another thing I wanted to, just because you mentioned a lot of people are putting out their posts on how much they spent in the year, for our Canadian listeners, if you see an American that says, oh, I lived off of $20,000, I need you to remember not to feel bad. A, things are considerably cheaper in the US than they are in Canada. B, they have the exchange rate going for them. So their 20 grand is really more like 26, 27. I mean, what's, what's a six pack of beer? Yeah, He's I mean, that's half a- in his head. It, it, <laughs> No, you're right. Cause I was just doing 30% on yeah, 10. So 26 is pretty you. accurate. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but that's, it's a big factor of, you know, you go down and you can in a grocery store buy a 12 pack of Bud Light for $7. Like right. th- there's, there's a lot of things, you know, what's gas? Gas is a fraction of what it costs up here. So don't feel discouraged if you're saying, Oh, it costs me 40 grand a year to live, but there's these people that are living for 20. I mean, it's yeah. not apples to apples if you're looking at an American blogger and what they're spending. Well, the other thing too is it's probably not that unreasonable for Canadians that are just starting off on the journey to look and go, what are these people talking about 40 grand a year? It costs us 80 grand a year, right? Yeah. Don't, don't just go by other people's benchmarks or go by what other people are saying, right? I think this is where it becomes so personal. It's really hard at the beginning of the journey because comparison is kind of natural. We all want to do that, right? And like, oh, how do I get to be that person or that person or that person? But every situation is so different that by tracking your own spending and having a look at it, you can make that analysis yourself and say, I think this is important that we've brought up before too, is keep the things that you really value, but cut ruthlessly on the trash Anything that doesn't else. add value to your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah, I, I totally know what you're saying about the cost of living. And I think that goes for across Canada too, right? Because we've got listeners in, you know, smaller towns that don't suffer the high housing costs that, you know, big cities do and, and things like that, right? So this is, yeah, this is a, I think the information that you get from the FI community has to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt and said, okay, well, this is our particular life, you know, whether, yeah. whether I've got kids or a dozen dogs or you know my favorite hobby is hang gliding and it's expensive or whatever it is right like you gotta you gotta fit it into your lifestyle i mean wheelbarrows of money going to the cra is real expensive so (laughs) absolutely but i think the money mechanic hit the nail on the head when he said you know spend on the things that are worthwhile for you it's not if you're just starting out it's not worth slashing spending for the sake of slashing spending it, you you really want to hit the things that are not giving you value. I think the accountant brought up something good a long time ago in a past episode too, where he he was a little ruthless slashing everything. But when you realize that you missed something and it did add value, then you bring, br- it bring it back, right? right. Because yeah. 
I mean, I think I'll be definitely guilty to say like, you know what? I'm not slashing spending on craft beer. There's no way. (laughs) Right. But, but that's because I'm, because I'm like, I like craft beer, so I'm not going to do it, but maybe I should do it. And, you know, it's pretty tasty. (laughs) I'm drinking more Rainier than I used to. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) But I guess what I'm saying is sometimes it, I think it's a bit like, uh, new habits, right? Like they take three weeks to sink in, right? That's another book I didn't read last year. That's on the list this year, boys. It's um, Atomic Habits. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I got it reserved at the library. Okay, well, can you read it in less than the three weeks and then give it to me? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just reserve it? <laughs> I it wasn't on my library card. Anyway, that's another that's another topic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Once again, en- we're off track. <laughs> I, I am enjoying thinking in bets though, but I do realize now that the economist does not need to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's always worth reading a book. Right? Like the account, seriously, like I'm reading this book, and I'm like, the economist could have like co-authored this book. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. It's good. It's good. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. just for that I should read it. You should, yeah. See if I got any uh IP claims. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um on the, you know, spending what on what makes you happy, I just wanted to mention another book I read a couple of years ago. Uh Worry-Free Money by Shannon Lee Simmons. Yeah, I read that one too. Yeah, we we both read that one, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of an unbudget book. It yeah. is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, another book that I haven't read, and it's not specific Canadian content, but it's um, Ramit Sethi, right? And his big thing is, you know, slash all expenses, but spend lavishly on what you really value, right? Polarize your spending. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Ooh, can we, there you go. There's an economist catchphrase. Yeah, there we go. Spending, yeah. Yeah. But I think this is a good time of year when this is, again, start of the year, Start like look at all those things. Look at what you have been spending on, and if you value them, like reassess. Like, I know a lot of people get into the set it and forget it mode, but I mean, you probably should, like you say, like replan every year. You know, make a plan. What's going on? Have things changed? Has your opinion on stuff changed? You know what I found last year was I was making more than I was anticipating making, mm-hmm. and that's a good problem to have. Of course. Hence the but wheelbarrow. Right. <laughs> um, Could you just every- like, you need to part your hair a little off to the side of it. <laughs> okay. Next time. <laughs> next time. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, but I was really having trouble. What do I do with the extra money? And I was, you know, going on whims basically. Oh. So that was one thing I did. When I say whim, I meant, should I put in my RSP? Should I put in my TFSA? Should I? Right pay down my uh non-reg loan yeah, um, yeah. so how so, many tontines are you in now then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay Got it in. <laughs> i want to bring this up i am engaging the tontine oh because yeah. this was i this was the running joke of 2020 and i never got it because i never read the article that you found that you posted in the show notes. great so, article so, oh, I actually, so good i actually read it and I encourage the listeners to go and read this article because it was really interesting because tontines were super common back in, it was like the late 1800s, early 1900s, right? Yeah. And they basically formed what is insur- the gigantic insurance industry today. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And as I read through it and I thought, this isn't a terrible idea. <laughs> if you could do it totally anonymously so you didn't know who was in the in the time. If you didn't know who to kill. <laughs> I, I think that there's the underlying problem. <laughs> 
But it was a really, I mean, it's kind of where pension plans came from too. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody pays into it and, you know, you get it out. And there, there is a bit of sense to it. I don't know. We could have a little uh, more discussion about it here. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's actually a lot of, uh, there's savings programs that a lot of people will try to administer in like third world countries where a village will all put in oh, yeah. you know, very modest amounts of money to buy big ticket items that they would never otherwise be able to buy. So, you know, whoever gets week one, well, they can buy a stove for their house and then they all put it in and then the next person get a stove for their house and kind of the same concept of using that mm. big pool of money. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll just finish my thought oh, was, I yeah, guess yeah. you should <laughs> uh, deciding what to do with any extra money was my number one thing to do this year. So that's done, but you know, it was something I identified and then dealt with. So how did you make that decision? But <laughs> the accountant's going to hate this because I wanted to bring up the RSP question. <laughs> so I'm asking you the question. You led me into it. How did you decide whether you should put it in your RSP or not? I decided not to. Why? What was your reasoning? I want to see how much I make or how much, you know, that that's a decision I'm going to revisit halfway through the year. So. Okay. So, but you said you'd made more money. So did you not look at the... RSP oh, last contribution? year, last year, uh, as a way of mitigating your tax bur- burden. No, absolutely, I did. Did you did you look at your brackets and see if it made sense? To, could you move between them, or were you in the? Well, it didn't matter if I want. I could move between them or not because it's a marginal tax rate. Well, um, I guess that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, I anticipated where I would be and kind of decided to make contributions based on that. Well, that's I guess that's where I'm saying is I know it's marginal, but. Basically, it's like if you're five k above a, bra- a bracket, or you know, what's the point more to... than the five? Right, once yeah, you're exactly. to the lower one, right? It's like yeah. use the five, or maybe maybe it yeah. takes you ten to get there, right. and you know, when you I don't get all the way. Maybe it's still fine. It's still totally fine, right? But yeah, and this <laughs> the account doesn't want me to talk about this at all. But screw yeah. you, screw you. I'm <laughs> talking about it. What the hell? <laughs> There's so many questions about you know, the misunderstanding of marginal tax rates and everything else. And I'm not saying that taxes should determine, you know, your investing or your decision-making, but it's pretty easy to Google tax um, brackets in Canada and get your provincial and federal and go, okay, I'm estimated I'm going to earn this much this year. So the optimal RSP contribution is 10 grand that drops me, that gets rid of all that taxes in the higher bracket, right? Assuming you want to be in an RRSP at all. Assuming you want to be, I know. We don't I have mean, to go down the so, rabbit hole here. But. No, we. I, now you brought it up, so we absolutely <laughs> have to go to <laughs> Well, this is, you didn't want to talk about it, but this is a good question for people, whether they're just starting off. And I see there's always a lot of confusion about this. And whether it's just like sitting down with the math and the spreadsheet and figuring it out that is an obstacle, or whether people are going, well, but that's, I'm, I'm pensioned out or whatever. Okay, way- go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you want to say. The only way the RRSP works is if you're at a lower tax bracket later in life. Yes, or I the know. same, or the same, or, or the same. Absolutely, or the same. Yeah. I mean, you're getting tax-free growth, but then you're paying tax on all of that plus your original principal that you're taking out. But if you're somebody who, I mean, I own rental properties right now; they have leverage. When that leverage goes away, I'm gonna making even more money that isn't gonna have the tax shelter of the interest w- w- reduction. So I foresee in 20 years when those mortgages are paid off, I'm actually going to be in a higher tax bracket. Plus, 
based on how much money we're printing, do you really think that tax brackets are staying where they are? <laughs> so what's the chance that you get screwed in the future? Well, if tax brackets go up, your tax rate will be lower. Tax rates go up. Okay. Not tax Yeah. Rates. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know where you're going. Yeah. You're splitting theirs. Now, another thing I wanted to cover too, which is fits into our topic of beginning of year and beginning of FI, right? Which yep. is, is basically what we're talking about is optimization. And this is something that, again, you brought up a good point earlier, accountant, about how we get complacent each year. So, yep. It can be a mental list or, you know, if you're at the beginning, you might want to just jot yourself down some notes. And I've always worked hard to spread things out in the year. So it's a little easier to manage, but you should be looking at your car insurance. You know, can I do better this year? Is there a better provider or is there a different rate class? Maybe you're working from home now and you can slice off that business or work usage that you don't need anymore, right? Yep. Your home insurance, your home more often, does it affect your insurance? Can you get a better provider? You know, your bank accounts, are you getting the highest savings rate if that's what you're using? Uh, your brokerage accounts, uh, Chris Istas posted on that if you transfer a lump sum into Investors Edge right now, they're giving you a whole whack of cash. Right. You know, are you using the brokerage that suits your style of investing best? Or if you don't have a brokerage yet, have a read through all the posts that are out there and, and choose a good one, right? And yeah. use somebody use somebody's referral code. Doesn't have to be ours, but use somebody's. <laughs> yeah. I, I was super excited that a coworker of mine just like opened up a quest trade and moved everything over there because he was talking to another coworker who I'd helped through uh, like a year and a half ago. So I'm like, this is great. Nice. Like the fire's spreading, right? Somebody else is learning and wants to learn on their own. Yeah. And then I heard that he didn't use anybody's referral code. Ugh. Well, because you I'm like, it doesn't, money too, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't have to be mine. I'm not a referral. Like, you know, I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> but I just, anyway. Um, yeah, so it's it's the optimization of like your cell phone. Do you have the best plan? Are you paying what you should? Your internet. I, it, I'm sure this happened to everybody last year. It's like all of a sudden I was like, why do we have Crave Prime and Netflix? A, <laughs> we're watching way too much TV. And B, now we're like 30 something a month for like mostly garbage, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we slashed Crave off there because. Well, Billions wasn't back on TV, so I might have to come over to your house and watch through the window because if we're not allowed to see each other. <laughs> yeah, if we're not allowed to see each other, you might yeah. be able to watch. But you know what? And it's, I think that's one of the wicked things now that none of us realize is that subscription model is just killer. And we're all, we're all subject. We're all victim to it. Well, because wh Why do you think that software as a service yeah. is becoming such a popular model? It's because people can get you locked into here's the X dollars you pay every month, or here's the X dollars you pay every yeah. year. I know what my revenue streams are. All I have to do is meet my requirements and I'm making a bunch of money. You know what I'd like to see? So I use, uh, I bank with TD, right? So, and I use, mm -hmm. generally I use my credit card for everything, which is good because it basically tracks your spending. Right. You know what? Nice, nice breakout to, to be. And here you go. All you financial institutions that are listening and just waiting to give FI Grow our sponsorship. <laughs> is how about a section that is recurring payment section, like your subscription section. You know, when you look at your balance or the month, just like a little breakout and go, these are all your monthly recurring. So it's a snapshot because unless you're really diligent about tracking your spending, which if you want to get on the serious path to FI, you should start that off. But what about that just pops up and goes, Oh, right. I've got Spotify, you know, YouTube premium. I didn't even know there was YouTube premium, but apparently there is. I didn't know. You that. know, so all of a sudden you're like, 
oh, I'm up to $175 a month in <laughs> subscription spending. Right. There's $75 that I can be investing every month or whatever your number is, right? I mean, if you value that much subscription service, go for it. Like, I'm not telling you that's wrong. I'm just thinking it's a thing where just be aware as, of it, as right? part of the optimization project is like knock off the low hanging fruit first and then work your way through. And you might get to the point where you're like, okay, now I'm talking about optimizing and we don't bring up the latte factor on the show, but it's the recurring cost that you're ignorant of yeah. and how it impacts your spending <laughs> or your, your finances in general. And I think is what I'm trying to say is it's a good time to have a look and say, okay, maybe this year I'm going to change this and take that money and invest it instead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time to look at all of that. Another one that it's a good time to look at is in terms of back to basics as well is investment fees. Mm, totally. Because a lot of times you may be in something that did have a very good fee structure that doesn't anymore. Uh, Just because it had a great mer once upon a time doesn't necessarily mean it still does. So it's a good time to check. I've also seen brokerage houses do it where you were at, you know, you only needed $25,000 in the investment account to not have a monthly fee. Well, for 2021, they upped it to 50 and you're not there yet. And now so you're, you're going to have nailed, to pay account yeah. fees. You know, fees are a huge factor and deter greatly from your returns when you're investing. Yep. So yeah. just because when you first invested in something, the fees were good, doesn't mean they still are. A once a year checkup's a really good idea on what kind of fees you're paying. Mm-hmm. So what's your highest fee? For what? Uh, ETF. Uh, His highest fees are options for sure. Well, oh, yeah, for trading commissions, absolutely. Trading commissions. Yeah. Well, that's part. That's. But I opened a new. Fees. I opened a new brokerage, Jan One, that has much lower trading commissions. Don't mention the name. Options. Don't mention the name. We're totally done with free promotions on this show. That's fine. <laughs> Until ne- the second show of the year, when Titanic <laughs> has four people to give free advertising. To. Yeah. Well, there uh, you go. Yeah. If you want free advertising. It comes in the form of a can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, you make a really good point there. Fees are a total wealth killer. And Larry Bates wrote about, all about that in his great book, Beat the Bank. That's actually yeah. almost two years old now, I think. So yeah, somebody has yeah. my copy and I want it back, but I might, I'm just probably going to buy another one and reread it. Yeah, that's a must read for sure. He highlights a lot of that, right? The fee structure and he, and he does it the way he graphs it out. I never know. I haven't been on video before. Is this like the graph going higher or is this the graph going higher? Uh, other the way. First one. Yeah. The first one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Which is backwards to me because I, I do a graph <laughs> like this when I look at it. <laughs> so we're all mirrored. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to remember that. <laughs> this is so, still up. This is still up, right? Like that way? Yeah, it yes. is. Up. Yeah, that's yeah, still you're, up. You're, you're fine. You're not on an airplane flying upside down. <laughs> so do you know your, your highest mer? Uh point point four five ZDV. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna be one of the REITs, right? Or the dividend ones. The REIT ones are pretty expensive too. They can be, yeah. They're usually around 0.5. But this is especially killer is the one I was looking at is I'm forced to invest in Manulife mutual funds through my RRSP matching at work. Oh. So I don't get a good choice, right? Like ETFs are pretty stable, but a lot of these mutual funds, you'll pick a mutual fund and it'll have been at 0.75%, 1%. And then you take a look and you're, how did I get to 1.75%? They fluctuate their rates? They can, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Huh. So, I mean, advantage, you're getting your, the match. Yeah. Well, because it's it's super, 
it's super common in mutual funds, right? To, oh, that mutual fund didn't go well. So we're going to close it and roll it into this mutual fund because it actually performed decently so that we can say that we have good performing mutual funds. Right. Naturally. And if you get Naturally. if you get rolled into one of the good performing mutual funds that happen to have a higher MER, there you go. You know, you bring up a good point with this discussion about fees because listeners that are new to their new to the FI journey or new to the show here, they may have been doing really good with, you know, whether it's employment pensions that are invested through the plan or whether they've got a bank, you know, that's got RSP, they open an RSP and they've got mutual funds and things like that. That's also part of this journey too, is, is having a look at what you already have. If you have stuff and going, oh, you're right. I'm in an actively managed bank run mutual fund, or maybe you're in a CI fund or whoever fund you're in. It doesn't really matter. I'm not picking on any mutual funds in particular, but go, oh, well, that's a place where I can optimize and knock a percentage off my, the, what's being taken from me every year, right? Yeah. So totally important. Yeah. We're talking to you, Money Master. No, well, his, <laughs> you're talking about the one he's got in his RSP, aren't you? He always twits about having a, <laughs> having a high burn yeah. in his but portfolio. He, but he's always like, it does really well, though. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Another topic that we're going to get into, and we won't do it today, but there's been a whole lot of uh, noise about different actively managed funds. And it's interesting that it comes from the FI community because we're supposed to just index and chill. Right. So we're going to get into right. that on another episode, these actively managed ETFs. And the thing about them without going too far into it is, you know, the, one of the sayings that we all like is uh, be greedy when people, when people are fearful and be fearful when people are greedy. And all I'm seeing is greed. So I'm like, <laughs> nah, I think I'm just going to stand back here and watch. So, And that comes up with another fun episode that the accountant's going to love. It has three, it's a three-syllable currency that we'll deal with. Three-syllable, three, syllable, three <laughs> oh, letter. I can't wait to just <laughs> brag on that. It's going to be a fun year. And eventually, we're going to get back together in the garage when somebody gets poked with a needle and has a vaccine. Yeah. Right. Can't wait to get back to the garage. Yeah. How do we YouTube that? <laughs> oh, together? Like set up a camera off to the side? Or what's the deal? We'll figure something out. There's going to be some more expenses this year, eh? Um, (laughs) Apparently. Yeah, apparently you got to buy a wheelbarrow. Yeah. (laughs) I got the wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow's ready. Perfect. All right. Well, what about, uh, you know, we didn't talk anything about mortgages. And this is a big part of a lot of Canadians and uh, probably a lot of our listeners, whether you either don't have a mortgage or you do and you want to optimize it and you're on your path to FI or you've just joined or just started and you're kind of like, okay, I've got this giant mortgage. What do I do with it? And for that, I would say Smith Maneuver may be an option for you. So listen to some of those past episodes. I chose a 30-year amortization, but we had a little interesting exercise and discussion about this a little while ago. Economist? The... Uh- Mortgage myth or the yeah. yeah the mortgage myth the mortgage myth yeah that was another Twitter one and I'll just read it here it says taking a mortgage over the longest term possible smallest smaller monthly payments equals more spare cash to make overpayments which comes straight off the capital equals less interest equals pay it off quicker than you usually would that's which, I that's what I thought I got a thirty year and I was like oh I can I can make extra payments I'll pay this off quicker. <laughs> Here's so the thing the, with math. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as good as you. Is that what you said? <laughs> well, it's, it's really the thing with any mortgage. No matter the term, you're getting charged interest on your loan monthly. And that's 
the first thing your payment goes towards is the interest that you accrued over the past month. And the term just determines how much principal you're going to pay off. So a 30-year mortgage, you'll have a smaller principal regular payment. And a 20-year mortgage, you'll have a larger principal portion of payment. But the interest portion is always the same if the interest rate is the same. Hmm, Right. And so therefore, if you have a 30-year payment, and let's call it $1,500 a month, and you have a 20-year payment that's $2,000 a month, if you select the 30-year at $1,500 and put the extra $500 down on payments, you have the same 20-year mortgage. It has not changed anything because the interest you are paying is still the interest you are paying on that lump sum amount of money that is outstanding. So the 30-year gives you more flexibility, but it doesn't change the amount of interest you're going to pay month to month. What changes that is how much you put towards the mortgage. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that with mortgages is they see all these different amounts that you can have to pay, but they forget that a mortgage payment is made of principal and interest. And the only thing that changes the interest is the interest rate on your mortgage. Right. Or the total value owing. Sure, the lower fair. total, yeah. but, but I mean, that's a function yeah. of how you calculate interest. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's fair. Yeah, exactly. No, I, that was a really good one because I, I was I disagreed with you guys at first and I had to go and start doing a bunch of math myself and I'm going, crap, I think they might be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh, the economist and the accountant know their numbers better than the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, go figure. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Sometimes. When it comes to helicopter aerodynamics, you guys are screwed. Yeah. Yeah. When is <laughs> that next good. episode? <laughs> we can talk about it anytime. I got to do lots of numbers for that. But okay. no, I think it makes a really good point. One of the reasons I did choose the 30 was to get the lower payments with the intention of topping it back up. And like you said, is having that flexibility. And I'll come back again to being a contractor or like The Economist has talked about in the past, having uh, fluctuating income streams. You want to have that the optionality to raise it up when you can, bring it down when you can and, and get through it. So that was definitely an, uh, a thought for me. But I also was under the false impression that I was like, <laughs> well, if I top it up, I'll be paying less interest, which is clearly not the case. No. <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting. You, you really, if you're going to go with the flexible option, you have to be honest with yourself about how diligent you will be to make extra payments. That is a very important point because this is assuming an ideal scenario, right? Now, if you have lower payments and you start spending a bunch of that extra money and not putting it down, well then, yeah, that is a longer term mortgage. And you just ended up with paying a whole lot more interest. Yeah, exactly. So all other things being equal. We're not talking about an emergency fund in EQ Bank or in any bank right now. If you had $5,000 sitting in a savings account making, well, EQ is 1.5 as of recording today, and mortgage rates are very low, but mine is still 1.85, why would I have it in that account instead of on my mortgage? And I won't, well, the next part is that I borrowed it back, but doesn't it make sense to? use it in there instead. That's just interest rate arbitrage. It's just the arbitrage. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, I don't mind, like if you're sitting, if it's sitting in an EQ account and it sort of comes back to your original comment in the beginning, economists, like, well, why aren't you just investing that all year and then transferring in kind? Right. Right. It's like, so why am I saving it in an EQ account to make a lump sum mortgage payment 
just pay it to get it done and then rebar if you want to do it right yeah yeah i think a good way to end the show probably is to uh go with well two we forgot that this is our opinion only <laughs> right all of this all of all this. of this all of this yeah, everything only. and also that the natural one personal finance is personal right the beginning of the year is a great time to review your personal goals and your personal finance and and try and you know optimize what you can and i'm not a huge i shouldn't say it like i don't know i don't want to come off the wrong way but i'm like i'm not like a huge goal setting type of person i'm not like a new year's resolution type of person that's not really my thing i like to make progressive gradual good decisions learn more as as i think one of the hard parts is with this journey is it doesn't happen like this. You can't just read every blog out there, listen to every podcast and go like, boom, I'm done. I did it. I'm on the path to FI. It's a constantly evolving journey and you need to do a little bit of self-education all the time because I'm, I'm learning stuff all the time. I'm sure you guys are too, right? Well, and it's, new stuff is created all the time. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I should probably use a little bit of that or use a little bit of that or take absorb a little bit and go, mm, that doesn't work for my particular scenario. So that can stay over there on that shelf, but at least I know what it is now. Mm-hmm. Right. If you've just joined the FI Garage, apart from the beer, that's what we're here for. Is uh, probably teaching each other as much as anything and sharing what we learn, right? Absolutely. And we have a very uh, exciting next episode. Wow! <laughs> wow! Way to set that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have our first ever official beer sponsor. Oh! Oh, we do have a sponsor. Second sponsor. First yeah, second sponsor. sponsor. I guess. No, yeah. I said first official I, actual. I a brewery. A brewery. Like a real brewery. Like a real live brewery. They are backing up the brewery truck and unloading beer at our house. I don't know if that's exactly how it's going <laughs> to well, work. That's how I, I hope pi- so. That's how I picture it in my mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, shout out the Pink Fuzz, which is not usually... I wouldn't have been a shelf pick for me, but I'm glad Blair did because it does break away from the IPAs that I drink way too much of. And it was pleasant and a nice black artwork on the can so thanks again blair for that and uh yeah it was a good one yeah this thanks. uh backcountry brewing is delicious as always and thanks to kevin as well oh yeah, kevin's our number one fan kevin's great yeah, yeah. he is. we gotta have him back on the show we should that's yeah. true definitely well you know he listens so i was just gonna text me and be like all right when am i coming on the show <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> all right boys well uh yeah i don't know if we covered everything we wanted to cover but it's always a hard one to go back to basics and we're all, I think all of us, I, I don't know, the new year kind of comes in with a bang and you feel a little overwhelmed by everything to start with. So take your time and, and sort it out. You got two months before your taxes and your RSP deadline. So do some math, math, math shit up. Oh, I think math that's, shit I, up. I think that's taken. I'm not allowed to say that because MR yeah, says that. might that. be copyrighted. Yeah. Tough, oh, tough luck. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, we'll see you next time on the FA Garage. This is Money Mechanics signing off. Farewell. Cheers, guys.